Blaise Pascal, a French mathematician, physicist, inventor, philosopher, writer, and a theologian who lived during the 1600s, once said, Can anything be stupider than that a man has the right to kill me because he lives on the other side of the river and his ruler has a quarrel with mine, though I have not quarreled with him? I think that's reflective of the situation that we see and unfold today in the Ukraine. And sadly, people continue doing that for centuries. It is Saturday, February 26, 2022, and today we are going to take a look at what is going on in Ukraine. And Brother Stan is joining me to discuss what is left of the Freedom Convoy. Welcome to Lifering, a podcast where we strive to provide you with a well-rounded review of what is going on in the world between Monday and Friday of this past week. My name is Alex, and joining me today is my friend and fellow citizen of Mount Vernon, Washington, Mr. Stan David Duke. Hello, Stan, and thank you for joining me this morning. Glad to have you as a guest host today. Hello, Alex. Yeah, nice to be here. Uh, yeah. Quite the introduction there. How have you been, man? I know we've had you as a guest host a while back at this point. What's the update? Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm good. Uh, got a steady job, getting married. Yes, you are. So... And you've so, got a steady job as what? As an engineer of some sort? Like you've been yeah, going for it. Yeah, yeah. So I work at Crane Aerospace. Uh, and they make uh, pretty much electrical components and systems for airplanes, like the power systems, uh, sensing systems uh, for all the doors, landing gear, and things like that. Uh, wow. And new innovative technologies, you know, because a big thing that's coming to the market right now or that, you know, a lot of companies are trying to go for is actually electric airplanes. Mm, so that, really? that's a thing now. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I know we're working with a company uh, that's here in Mount, not Mount Vernon, in Washington, in Marysville, mm-hmm. uh, Aviation. And they're actually, they have the plane built and they've already busted down the runway and, you know, they're getting ready to do their first flight. I know it's supposed to happen sometime now. I don't know if there's some kind of delays. Uh, I haven't really looked up on it recently, but yeah, it's interesting where technology is moving that's right you know i do remember um something reading an article on, on, on the idea of a fully electric fleet but it just seemed like it was far away but that's cool to hear yeah. that it's here and hey you get to work in the field that's exciting yeah so yeah and it's pretty cool and it's nice i get to work remote too so you do <laughs> that's been a, oh that's been long goodness. i mean not fully remote but i i, I work yeah. like a hybrid like two days that is from so home. awesome yeah that's great, dude. Gen Z is, is so <laughs> is in a sense um, have has has been hit by COVID, but then at the same time, you guys are lucky because you get to walk into a remote um, you know work economy. Like for you, that's a yeah, no, pretty it's, much standard at this. It's point. a huge plus. Yeah, yeah I got because I got used to you know school from from home and. You know, I had I started driving every single day to the job during my internship. I didn't really have an option for remote work and. I mean, it was fine, but you know, once you experience that remote work, <laughs> and this week was was nice too. I mean, it snowed, so I was snowed in Monday and Tuesday. So only I went into the office on Wednesday, mm. and now I don't know. I'm I'm tempted to find a job where I get to work <laughs> full time remote. <laughs> man, good times, man, good times. All right. Yeah. Well, if you're new to this podcast, we have two featured stories that we choose to highlight at any given week. One I get to share in the beginning, and the second one is shared by my co-host, uh, Stan, at this, uh, or in this case, at the end of the podcast, in the middle of the episode, we have a section we call Lightning Round, where we go through a dozen of stories, 
um, of current events that stood out in the news this past week and offer a brief commentary. And so let's begin with our first one. Wow, what a turn of events it has been. I think that's the reaction that most people have today in the world. Because it's one thing for Russia to continue its diplomatic rhetoric and, you know, the geopolitical chess moves with getting troops close, you know, too close for comfort uh, near the Ukrainian border. It's another thing to launch a full-on invasion while at the same time calling it military operation, right? And I don't even know where to begin. Most of you guys who are listening and, and, and I bet you, Stan, and everybody I, I talk to are aware of one thing or another in regards to what's going on in Ukraine. So I don't think we're going to be highlighting anything new today that you haven't heard, but we are going to touch upon a few things. And I guess the goal today is to just sort of chat about the the impact that it has personally on us. Um, again, we're far removed. Um, you know, we're in the safety of, you know, another country that became our second home. But at the same time, the implications of this war will reach the world at large. And so we're going to be feeling the effects of it today. People, relatives, uh, friends of ours are in Ukraine and, uh, well, they, they're getting to, they kind of get the brunt of the whole conflict. And so I guess what I want to begin is, Stan, did you think a few days ago that we would be seeing this? Like, did this invasion surprise you? Like, did you think it's going to actually happen? It's been brewing for so long. You know, I remember still, I was back, I think it was in high school when the kind of the first invasion kind of started with like Crimea. And I remember it was specifically in my English class. We were at that time reading a book. It was called Animal Farm. And it was kind of a, a sample of the Soviet uh, Union and mm -hmm. kind of all the events that happened there, but in the form of a farm. And so, like, it was like these pigs who were the leaders and, and the way they took over the house, mm. uh, the owner's house and kind of led all the animals. And, and you know, it was, it was a super interesting Super interesting book, but I, I still remember that was back in high school, you know, eight years ago or whatever. And it just seemed like it would just keep dragging on forever, just a little bit at a time that there would be these tensions. But, you know, to see a full on invasion, it was it was a little bit surprising. You know, I, I remember we were here sitting after youth and uh, uh, Daniel brought it up and, and I, I guess he looked up on his phone, got some mm -hmm. kind of notification about it and and. He was like, oh, you know, Russia just attacked, you know, just officially declared that they're invading. And, you know, it was pretty surprising. Uh, yep. Yeah, definitely not expected. And, and, and considering that uh, both Putin and Zelensky were saying that, you know, this is not going to happen. Uh, well, I, I guess Biden was sort of pushing for like, this is going to happen. This is imminent. You know, like it's uh, it's unfolding right now. You know, like this is they're getting ready to attack and all of that. And uh, Zelensky and both Putin were like, we're, you know, this is like, we, we know what we're doing. We're sort of just sending a political message. And then all of a sudden it, it you know, it drops. It was unexpected. So from, from your perspective, because, um, I, I, you know, I got my notes here, but like, what have you heard so far with the situation is if you were to summarize from what you've come across? I mean, mostly what I've come across is just the things that, you know, we see posted on social media of, uh, you know, the different attacks, there's videos and, you know, fighter jets and tanks rolling down the street. Personally, we have family and I know a close relative of ours was saying how his uncles lives closer to that area and they're, you know, have no contact with them because they're supposedly down somewhere in a subway or subway station or whatever it is, mm -hmm. you know, in mm -hmm. bomb barricades and stuff like that. So it's just crazy to hear, you know, there's like people we know and 
And I was going to say, uh, so so my biological father actually lives in Konotop, uh, Sumskaya region, which is, uh, that would be northeast of Ukraine. So Donbass and Lugansk, the two areas that are, um, that have been contested, I guess, and, and the fighting has been going on for the past, what, half a decade, is sort of east, um, like central east and, and southeast. Mm-hmm. But I, I came from a region from northeast, and that was also the entrance point for uh, some of the Russian troops. So people were saying that they've seen tanks rolling through the streets um, of Konotop, and one person was retelling the story that they turned around and like randomly just shot at a five-story building. I don't know if it was random or not, but they did. Uh, and they just rolled on towards Kiev, towards Kiev. And so then later we heard the news that the city was... Uh, number one, taken over by Russians, but then the Konotop people fought back and apparently now have control over that. And actually, if you look at the map of, you know, what's being controlled by Russia today, not I think there's like a region where it's around Konotop area where it's just this dot that's like unaffected by surrounding troops, if that makes sense. For you personally, though, you, you grew up here, right, in America? Yeah. Were you yeah. born here? I was born here, yeah. I think I asked you that before. Yeah, so for you, I mean, it's like, for you, it's it's a place where your parents came from and maybe a few relatives. But um, for me, I, you know, I found myself being deeply touched by this more than I thought I would be. One is the brutal losses on each side, completely needless, right? Like, yep. these are, they're fighting essentially for just somebody's ambitions. Number two, and I don't know if you've been to Ukraine before? I've been three times already, so dang. So you 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 yeah. weren't born there, but you you've been there way more than I have. Uh, not not when I was a teen. So historical, for example, I I'm looking at like the vastness of this land, and I'm like, man, if, if it's gonna get destroyed, that's gonna be sad. Uh, number three is probably the whole barbaric natures coming out on both sides. So we've seen yeah. videos. Of course, Russia tries to dial it down, but we've seen videos of people just being getting ugly on both sides, and then. We fought like Nazis together, Russians, Ukrainians, Belarusians, all the Slavics side by side. And now we're seeing something similar happen. Anyway, so the biggest question that people have is, well, why won't U.S. send its troops? Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I heard Putin's whole thing about, you know, don't interfere because I have quite the nuclear arsenal uh, behind me. So uh, I don't know if that's I'm sure it's a factor. I mean. That's definitely, that's a whole different level of just mass destruction, you know. Yep. Uh, so to a point, they do have to play it safe and, and they have to be careful what, with what they do. But uh, they definitely shouldn't just sit back and <laughs> see how it plays out either. Right. But like they are delaying their involvement and maybe they're just hoping, I don't know, dissipates or something. But you're right. The nuclear, uh, what is this, assured destruction is is probably holding people back. The whole invasion, I mean, the Ukrainian spirit, let, let's talk about that for a bit. No matter how people are dissatisfied with the government, nobody really just wants uh, somebody to storm into their country, you know, upend their livelihoods and uh, be like, here, we're freeing you from your oppressive government and establishing a new government. And oh, by the way, we're much better than the previous one because we totally didn't just come in by force, right? <laughs> Knowing Ukrainians, what do you like? I don't, how do you see this war unfold? Knowing Ukrainians and and coming, you know, both my parents are Ukrainian and seeing how, you know, a lot of people who are more fresh coming from Ukraine here to the United States and interacting, you know, they're really patriotic. You know, Ukraine's a pretty small country and and 
not everyone could probably be like, oh, I know a Ukrainian. Mm-hmm. But I think people right now are, are realizing this and, and and seeing that kind of characteristic trait of Ukraine. And, you know, I've seen a lot of posts on social media of, of people being fairly impressed looking up to that. So uh, in terms of that, looking at Snake Island, which I think you're going to talk about later, you know, these are people who are willing to sacrifice everything they have to for their land and for their country, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy to see. And, and you give them a common enemy which Putin has just done, they don't, they, they don't care what they're fighting for. They kind of know that. They're like, we're fighting for our land. They're not fighting for Zelensky to keep the you know, people in power. They're like, we just got guns, man. We, we just got like handed out AK-47s for free in the streets. Anybody who has a license and doesn't, it, like it didn't matter to them. They were just handing them out. And in fact, they ran out of, of apparently giving out guns at this point. But yeah, they're going to fight till the last drop of blood because you entered into their homeland. And they don't really need a great cause at this point. They don't need to fight for their government. They will fight for their chunk of land. There was this one video uh, of a lady yelling at a Russian soldier and trying to put some seeds in his pocket, sunflower seeds. Uh, it was an article. Oh, I by, think I've heard of this. Yeah. yeah. She says something about putting sunflower seeds in his pocket so when he dies, you know, the flowers will grow. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I, I didn't. I didn't realize that she was saying that to a Russian soldier. I thought, oh, to, I thought to it the, was to a Ukrainian one. And, and she was an older lady. And so, like I'm saying, that's that's kind of the scary side that comes out of people. People are really getting mad. Uh, by mad, I mean like almost crazy, right? Because they're going to be defending. Mm-hmm. And same thing would have happened here if, uh, Lord forbid, there would be an invasion. Um, Snake Island. As I was watching today, apparently there's been news circulating. So I, I think Snake Island has been a popular story. But apparently, there's a possibility that they actually didn't die. This is already coming, not from the conspiracy, because conspiracy started to circulate early on that, you know, these are like, that's a fake story, at least from the Russian side. But then uh, there came out a video of like the soldiers actually being captured. Eventually, the, the Ukrainian military posted a message of saying 82 soldiers were captured from the island. A- again, that doesn't mean that the 13 weren't killed, but they're still investigating it, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was something I was going to mention earlier, and mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if I should, but I've, I've just, I don't know of the things I've seen, but I've definitely heard a, a lot of people talking about, like, what is the... Uh, kind of credibility of all the videos and things that we see you know there's a lot of on purpose kind of fake inserting of information but i think a lot of times people are just misinformed and then they start spreading it and it kind of goes out from there so say back in the day when when it was you know everything was just news and media then might have been more uh, factually checked Mm-hmm. Uh, but even then, I know there's plenty of examples of that not being the case, you know, where... Yeah, they would sort of yeah, tailor it to we, the narrative. A, we got to kind of be careful. So, so what I've enjoyed doing, and again, not that it gives me a fuller picture, but it does provide a better perspective. Uh, for any major events, I pull up multiple channels on screen. Yesterday, I had running, I think, eight, eight channels. Um, you know, you kind of just pick and choose what, what you watch. You can't, you know, pay attention to all of them and just keep an eye on it. And I've got my Russian channels and then Ukrainian channels and then, uh, you know, your conservative and, and liberal channels in U.S. It really shows you that there is a disconnect between, 
them all. And Russia, of course, is doing a whole different line of reasoning and thinking as to what's going on and the kind of shots they want to show versus Ukraine and versus America, too. And then people are doing even their own thing on Telegrams and Vibers. And I know most people nowadays have like the really big family chats on Viber. And then, you know, when I see like (laughs) a big text posted and it's like from... (laughs) The president of Ukraine or something. Well, I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> Straight to your if family. He's putting yeah. in emojis and saying to send this to everyone. Then <laughs> <laughs> yep, that yep. might be a little bit questionable. But uh, those of us who are kind of raised here and and more of in the technological area, we're we're a lot more skeptical of a lot of things that we see. And uh, you know, as to maybe our parents and aunts and uncles might be more prone to just <laughs> yep. accept it as truth. And also as a generation, especially yours, um, you know, I'm, I'm more analytical person, so I'll go and, and fact check things. But especially your generation t- tends not to trust as quickly the information that you get just because you've been trained to hear, you know, the double yeah, thing. Yeah. Like yeah. they say yeah. one thing and then later you hear another. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, yesterday there was a video or maybe a day before there was a video of people singing in Subway. It was a beautiful video. Yeah. Great singing that they're sheltering and singing. Well, and I was mm-hmm. like, really? Uh, and just the way it was posted on Instagram, I think it was by Benny Johnson. So I was like, all right, I'm going to fact check this. And by the way, this is a tip for all of you out there. If you want to fact check things, this is one way to do it. Uh, you take a screenshot of, uh, you know, the beginning frame of the video. And then you go into Google Images and you go search by image. You upload the image and you're able to get to pretty much where it was indexed first. In a lot of cases, you'll get to the original video. I mean, if you dig enough. In my case, I was lucky. It was on the first page. I was able to, like, uh, maybe result number 10. And it was the original video, which was from February 20th, which means it's like four days before the actual invasion, right? Mm-hmm. And that's and, yeah. and it was posted by some American who was, like, passing in a subway. And, of course, the church was still in a subway. They were still singing a song as a prayer for Ukraine because the tensions were rising. But that wasn't the invasion. They weren't sheltering yeah because yeah. right? i saw that video i was like oh dang that's cool and i saw a lot of yeah. people that reposted it but now knowing that kind of changes everything you know yep it's just you got to pay attention to what's going on and i feel like with ukraine right now i i've said it on a podcast when we talked about ukraine that whoever says they know for sure what's going to happen probably doesn't have an idea so people have been crossing crossing into poland now ukraine put a restriction on a man leaving the country, so anybody uh, 18 and and up to 60s, I think, or 65, is not allowed to leave the country. The way they figured out how to cross the border is basically a father crosses with kids, I heard yesterday at my uh, in-law's house, and then the mother crosses. Because they wouldn't let kids cross the border by themselves, so they split up, father crosses with the kids, and then later a mother comes across the border. Now, at some point, I think they're going to put the two and two together and be like, hold on, same last yeah. name, you know, <laughs> you guys couldn't have crossed at the same time. Yeah, yeah. But there is a way to apparently get out. And that's another layer. Like imagine leaving, like yesterday you had to go to work. Today you're um, crossing the border into another country yeah. and you don't know when yeah, it's going to be over. And you don't know yeah, what's going to be in your house when you return. Uh, that's a lot of things to think about. So, yeah. Today, instead of doing a conclusion, um, I would like to invite you all who, who are listening at any given point, even if you're listening you know, much later, uh, Ukraine needs our prayers. And so whatever you are listening to this, um, if you're able to join us in prayer. Father, I pray for peace over Ukrainian skies. I pray for the people of Ukraine. 
um, not not to trust in their own strength, but especially during these unprecedented times to turn to you for their protection and strength. And we pray that you would give wisdom to the soldiers on both sides, not to wage a war on behalf of world leaders. We pray that the fighting would cease, that peace and borders would be restored. We pray for the families that are affected, for the innocent, for the children that they may be spared. We pray for the world leaders that they would have no peace within themselves until they seize the brutal overreach of power. And ultimately, we pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to Lightning Round, where we take a look at the other stories um, that happened throughout the week that weren't about Ukraine or truckers. And we offer a brief commentary. And the first one is in the world of world news. Uh, And this one comes from BBC that the Queen tested uh, positive for COVID. Now, Stan, are you immune to Omicron at this point? Do you know? Do you think? (laughs) I would would assume so. I've actually, you know, it's been about two years now and I haven't even tested a single time for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, In terms of not like officially testing. I know I've had it. I know... uh, you know, it started in March of 2020, and I think around August time I had it because, you know, why else would I lose my taste for a week? Right, uh, right. <laughs> but that was, that was about yeah. the extent of my symptoms, you know, no fever, no aching, no anything. I mm. just lost my sense of taste. So, Pretty and then mild. I think recently, you know, around Christmas time, there's something going around. I could only assume it was Omicron or Omnicron or you know, whatever the new variant is. Yep. So I'm assuming that I had that uh, like everyone else. And, you know, that was pretty mild as well. So at this point, it's like, and it's probably true for most Slavics in America, but if you're a Slavic in America and you go to a Slavic church, you've probably had all of them at this point. Yeah. And (laughs) it's just the way it works. Well, as the cases drop all over the world, uh, we're talking about how infection rate of this Omicron case is so quick i guess it spreads really fast and the symptoms are mild that it's been um pretty much bringing us to a point where we have herd immunity without even vaccines and i'll touch a bit on that towards the end but according to bbc the monarch is experiencing the monarch being the queen experiencing mild cold-like symptoms expects to continue light duties She got tested positive for COVID, but she will continue to receive medical attention, will follow appropriate guidelines. According to uh, BBC, her eldest son and heir to the throne, Prince of Wales, tested positive on 10th of February after meeting with his mother on 8th of February. She she was the spreader. She'll be 96 in April, and apparently she's been on the throne for 70 years. That's crazy. That is. That's a long time. And she survived COVID. Yeah. Look at that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought she was at that age. She was in the super risk category, but if you're a queen. Well, I mean, with this last variant, it's, it's like getting a cold. Uh, but yeah. I guess even a cold at the age of 96 could be pretty threatening. So. Yeah, it could be <laughs> fatal. Yeah. Again, unless you're a queen. Moving into the COVID news. Uh, Stan, did you uh, have to get vaccinated for work? That was actually an interesting story. Like, uh, So when I just started with the company, they are you know, they were saying mm-hmm. uh, whatever the state is requiring, that's what we're going to require. And so comes 
uh, you know, late November, early December, they, you know, we got an email saying you either have to be vaccinated or you have to get an exemption by, I think it was like January 4th mm. for weekly testing. And so uh, I know how a lot of people had it where, you know, you, you ask for an exemption, you have to write a whole paper. Why? Mm-hmm. Uh, your reasoning. Uh, so our company was actually really lenient with that. All I had to do was just check a box saying I want an exemption and, and that's wow. all they asked. And I know there's a lot of people, you know, where they couldn't really get an exemption. I know they got vaccinated. And the, a week after that, the Supreme Court shut it all down. And and, <laughs> yes. and now we don't, we're not testing and, and it's not required. So yeah, that was interesting. But I know right now the state is ending its mask mandate. Uh, I'm waiting to hear from, you know, I'm going to see what the company's going to say about that, because if I could stop wearing the mask at work, that would be pretty nice. That would be cool. Well, the vaccine drives, um, according to Associated Press, is grinding to a halt, and apparently demand has all but collapsed in places, uh, especially conservative places. The average number of Americans getting the first shot is down to about 90,000 a day, they say, and it's the lowest point since the first few days of U.S. vaccination campaigns in December 2020. Hopes of any substantial improvement in the immediate future have largely evaporated. Now, Karina mentioned yesterday, my wife Karina yesterday mentioned a unique comment. She was like, Bill Gates at one of the recent conferences mentioned, he was like, um, he's like, Omicron beat us essentially with the herd immunity, you know, and we need mm-hmm. to work faster next time with our vaccines because by the time we were done with our vaccines people already achieved immunity through omicron and i thought that was an ironic comment you know it's like hold on so aren't you maybe we should have done it the other way around let people get herd immunity quickly through getting i don't know you know it's just one of those things well, I, remember, like, I remember there was a professor that early on in, in the whole coronavirus mm-hmm. thing he was telling I think it was like to a students or something or to his class where he was like, just go out and get it because you're at no risk and, and mm-hmm. you'll just be immune after that. And I know he had a lot of backlash for saying that, but I kind of agree with him. Yeah, and, and you would expect they would bring it, say, into the family, maybe in a milder form at that point, right? Or yeah, because they've yeah. been sick, the next variation, yeah, there's there's probably some, yeah. some logic. And I mean, it. if the younger people just got sick, I mean, if you were like, 18 through you know 30 years old i think that was the range and you know the death rate was not even 0.1 of a percent it was very very little of all the u.s i think there's about 2,000 deaths in that age range and and there's how many millions of people in that age range and you know i'm assuming that most of those would probably come in some form of people who already had complications and so you know if the healthy people did get sick uh then they wouldn't have the chance of spreading it, and and but you know yep. that's a that's pretty controversial too. But good for thought. Yep, and according to Fox News, uh, like you mentioned earlier, CDC is going to loosen up its COVID nineteen indoor mask guidance, including for schools. Now this is again, again we're expecting it from the state, but we're talking now on a federal level as well. All right, moving on to economy. Do you already own a house? Me no. No, you don't. You didn't get into. I wish, but it's it's well, here. It's almost impossible. Yeah, well, the, the, getting rent is probably so. You're 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 getting married soon, right? And you're probably considering yeah. rent at at some point, I assume, or maybe I don't know. Maybe you guys yeah. are going to be buying, but 
either way you put it, uh, I got two articles in front of me here, one from Wall Street Journal and the one from the other one from Associated Press. And one says home price growth hits record high in 2021. And the other one says rents reach insane levels in 2021. Yeah. Uh, and I, I see both of those. It's, it's insane. It is crazy. It's like, I understand a little bit of a jump, but we're talking about 20% in the 12 months, a jump in 20% in prices. Uh, at least that's according to, again, this is across the nation. Now, neighborhoods obviously jumped, you know, depends where you live. But across the nation, a 20% rise, that's a lot. Here's a quote from Associated Press. In the 50 largest U.S. metro areas, median rent rose at an astounding 19.3% from December to 20. 2020 to December 2021, according to Realtor.com. And uh, nowhere more was the jump bigger than in Miami metro area, where the medium rent exploded to 2800 which is 50% higher than previous year. So again, it depends on an area, right? But you have 20% rise in home prices and 20% rise in, in rent prices, which is, I guess, kind of makes sense, right? Yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's crazy because... I'm looking around right now, and if you want something half decent, like even if you're looking at a duplex that's like a thousand mm-hmm. square feet, two bedroom, one bathroom, you know, prices are almost at two thousand per month. Which, if you think about it, that's that that's it. crazy. I mean, if you if you want just a a decent house with you know your own garage and yeah. and a couple of bedrooms and a couple of bathrooms, you're paying upwards no less than twenty five hundred per month. And the sad part is you're entering a territory where you could be paying that for your house if you're in yeah, a good yeah but that's again if you're in a good position for income wise and this is where it's yeah. like that's the balance you have a lot of young people entering the market not everybody's got great jobs um, again you went to school not everybody goes to school nowadays um, some yeah. people work you know trade jobs and it, it, it could be really tough to even become a home buyer and it's sad because it's going to keep him trapped in the system for for many years there is an estimated shortfall of 5.8 million single family homes uh that's a 51 percent leap from the end of 2019 according to associated press so we have this huge gap of homes that haven't been built because of well you know the pandemic and uh just in general shortage of homes for sale slow down construction the cost of materials went up and so on so we're in for a, a unique, we're living in a unique time where it's just, I hope it's going to reshake soon. <laughs> Stan, as we move on to the next subject, was there anything in your news feed this week besides Ukraine? Something that stood out to you that was, I guess, besides trucking. Uh, there's the whole thing where, uh, well, I think it was this week where vaccines were approved for kids between ages 6 and 11. And that was February 11, 2022. Okay, so basically, besides the old news, <laughs> you, you haven't really seen anything besides <laughs> so yeah, besides the old news, there's nothing new, yeah. <laughs> and and that's what I was driving at is that, um, and again, one might say, well, you're an Ukrainian American, so of course you would have Ukraine in your news, but really, it was not even so much among you. It was like across the board, from um, American citizens to people, you know, all over the world, um, just Ukraine being in the headlines and in the prayers and minds of people. Why am I saying this is because according to Associated Press, this was an interesting, uh, and of course they they used it to push their own message there, but they said climate change gets pushed out of spotlight. 
And uh, the article went on to say, climate change is no longer at the top of the agenda of the world leaders and many executives. Having been shoved aside due shoved shoved, having been shoved aside due to Russian war in Ukraine as well as COVID nineteen and inflation. Uh, now they finished the article by saying, on the other hand, the Russian invasion of Ukraine could possibly spur Europe to speed up its efforts to become energy independent via renewables. Which again, that's a stretch, but. I can totally see how this is causing an issue for Europe. Yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I can't pull the numbers. I, I'm not sure what they are exactly, but I know a lot of uh, gas and oils comes out of Russia to to Europe. To uh, Europe, and a lot of it runs through Ukraine. If you yeah, look at so the map. I, I don't know yeah. what the number is for that, but I know a lot of it is. But I, I, I believe Norway or, or Sweden, those countries... They have oil pumping as well up in, you know, the mm -hmm. Arctic Ocean or, you know, up north over there. Yeah. But it was interesting how, you know, we had this climate push and everything. And then something as silly as a war could really upset the whole economy. And I mean, we're going to see prices rise here. Like for gas. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're going to see issues, uh, you know, reverberate across the world. And... That includes oil as well, right? Yeah. And so now all of Which a sudden... I saw, Go ahead. I saw something funny where it was, uh, you know, someone blaming the whole war going on for, for gas prices rising. And then it was like some post, he was like, I took this picture back in December before the war and gas was already $5 a gallon. <laughs> yep. All right. So according to uh, KUT, that's Austin's NPR station. Texas Attorney General declares gender-affirming medical care for transgender kids as child abuse. So Attorney General of Texas Ken Paxton had issued a legal opinion defining certain gender-affirming health care for transgender kids as child abuse. There is no doubt that these procedures are abuse under Texas law and thus must be halted, uh, said the Republican. Or he wrote it in a statement announcing his legal interpretation this past Monday. Now again, it's not legal binding decision it's just an opinion that he you know put forward um and it came in response to a request from a chairman of the texas house of representatives general investigative general investigative committee representative matt cross fort worth and it basically asserts that medical treatments such as hormone therapy and puberty blockers meet the state's legal standard of abuse for causing mental and emotional injury to a child that results in an observable and material impairment of the child's growth, development, or psychological functioning under Section 261.001 of Texas Family Code, in case you were taking notes. But basically, Texas is leading the way in... in, in uh, because, you know, this is, this is a conversation. This is an ongoing discourse, I guess, across the nation, right? Texas does something, Florida does something, New York does something, California. And it all reverberates around the, all the states. For, for kids to decide things like that. I mean, you wouldn't trust the child with just about anything else, like right. any major thing. <laughs> I mean, start trying to push for, you know, five-year-olds to get driver's license and see what response you get, you know? And recently, I've just, I've been kind of uh, uh, doing some research and, and uh, watching some videos about hormonal things and, and, and mm -hmm. you know, uh, it, it's crazy to see the effect that say puberty and things like that have on even your mental state, like 
just your capacity mm-hmm. to understand things and and to to grow and and mature mentally and so uh from the things that i've learned and from the things that i saw <laughs> i would be i agree that it is child abuse if you're changing those kind of biological things to someone who's pre-puberty that's i mean you're you're doing unknown damage to to them for the rest of their lives so uh I, I fully agree that is it is child abuse and and we have to do everything in our power to to protect and and fight for that. And hopefully this will be heard also. I mean, and again, because it's done on a national level, this is not just somebody you know coming out on their podcast and you know saying their opinion, even if it's a popular podcast or news station. But this is a um, this is on a national level, and so that's that's really great to see that. It's been defined as abuse. In the world of Christianity, word-for-word Bible movie now is available in 1,000 languages. Um, That's according to Christian headlines. Now, before we get into what it's all about, have you watched the Chosen series? No, sadly not. Not I've been intending to start, and I will. I will watch watch it all, but I think I'll just save that for when I'm married and (laughs) have that together. (laughs) Have a binge movie week. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, got a lot out of my plate. So. Well, don't 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 feel too bad because I I intended to watch it as well, and I only watched two series of the first season. So okay, and I so I'm not too far behind. Yep, <laughs> not really. <laughs> but so. I've, I've I've only heard good reviews about it. It's so great. I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching it. So. From what I've seen, it's great. My wife watched it. Uh, I think all at this point. So yeah. Anyway, so for uh, this is this is essentially a groundbreaking Bible movie that includes an unabridged text of scripture for the for the script is now available in more than a thousand languages. They're titled simply as the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I think I had a chance to watch Matthew with the kids, and it's really interesting because it is word for word. Oh, so um, it's like a four part series. No, it's it's two different or four different movies. Oh, but as it unfolds, okay. you got Matthew like sitting down and writing kind of or like in one, he has a scribe, but like he tells the kids, let me tell you know, like the generations he lists. Oh, okay. and, but it's gotcha. like, gotcha. yeah, in a narrative form. Okay, so that's interesting. They were released in English beginning 2014, then translated into other languages. Um, and basically at this point, uh, they reached 1,000th language translation uh, with the language of Sengwa or Senga which is spoken by the people in Zambia and uh, other locations. They're available on Prime Video's IMDb TV channel with ads. But I think that's pretty cool. Thousand languages. Talk about spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. Then moving on to the next one. Have you tried octopus? Yes, I actually have. What would you think? I mean, a little bit chewy, but it's edible. Yeah, I, I felt like it was just a cool thing to try, but... Yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty not, much it. Yeah. It's not something you're like, oh man, I crave octopus. <laughs> but apparently, yeah, and I mean, they, they have some interesting, I, I've seen there's like this video where uh, it's like an octopus on this, and it's like a full octopus. Uh, it's obviously dead. It's like on top of this food thing. And when they pour the salty like soy sauce over it, like the chemical reaction makes the octopus move as if it's alive. Super oh, weird. But, okay. Yeah. <laughs> if you wanted to eat something that was still alive, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, the Spanish company is pouring tens of millions of dollars uh, in becoming the world's first commercial octopus farm, in spite of mounting evidence that creatures can feel pain and pleasure, never mind the environmental impact of cephalopod farming. And that's according to Futurism. 
Um, now, Reuters reported that a company is set to start farming octopi pending European Union approval and that they already have, uh, what, 65 million euros, equivalent of $74 million uh, invested into the startup fishery efforts. Now, people are freaking out about it, but I don't see how that's different than, I don't know, having a fish farm or crab farm, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like it's food. I mean, I know octopus are, are they're pretty intelligent. Mm-hmm. But I guess, yeah, it's not, I wouldn't say it's any difference. I thought most animals are off limits. Or, I mean, most animals are okay to eat. I mean, some we just feel like they're, I don't know, it's just a weird thing. We eat animals. That's what we do. Yeah. I mean, I know there's people that like eat horse and stuff, but that's illegal. Is and it? That's just, I mean, yeah. At least in U.S. probably. In the U.S. it's illegal. Yeah. I know. I I don't know if it's. I think there was. I, I know recently within the last decade there was some controversy about it. I think in like Canada or something. But I know in the U.S. it's illegal. I mean, I can't imagine that it's legal to like breed dogs for food either. So. Right. Yep. You know. Yep. So cats you know, there's a limit. I don't know who who makes that limit. I mean, it is probably good. Yeah, because I, I, I know when I was in Myanmar in 2018, so uh, one of the guys, one of the locals that was living with us, he was from like a northern province of that country. And he said that, you know, they eat dog. Like his, he was like, yeah, if, if you're ever here and we go to, you know, where I'm from, my dad will cook us some dog. And, you know, <laughs> to them, it's perfectly normal. Yeah, you know? yeah. It really depends on the cultural, I guess. My dad did eat horse. Um I think that's when he was in Afghanistan early on. Or maybe in his village. I don't really remember. But he did tell me a story of eating horse. And he's like, it's good meat. Okay. So uh, moving on to the last two stories. And hopefully we'll be able to cover them. Uh, Have you gotten into NFTs and like the crypto art? I'm intending to research that stuff. I'm not part of that uh, investing world. Not yet, at least. Not yet. Uh, well, whenever you get to it, if you're interested, I'm I'm interested. I need a buddy to to dive into that world with, because otherwise it just kind of goes on a back burner. Yeah. But apparently, a hacker or hackers um, are actively stealing and flipping high valued NFTs from users on OpenSea, the world's largest NFT exchange, causing chaos and confusion in the broader NFT confu- community, according to Vice. The current mechanism, they say, for the hack is unknown, but uh, they place the red banner at the top of the site, saying that they're actively investigating. And this is interesting because, you know, NFTs are supposed to be super secure and you're the only one who owns the, you know, the unique string, the hash behind or the, the what, what is it called, blockchain behind your piece of art. And so to see it being, again, I don't think this is a blockchain issue. This is more probably a, open sea issue like the 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 nfg exchanges and then uh the last thing i was going to mention and uh this will be the last story for today and that is that trump's truth social media debuts in apple's app store and it hits number one in top charts some people who downloaded the social media app receive error messages when they try to create an account others were placed on wait list uh, according to cnet.com so uh one thing i can tell you about this is that we will have an account as soon as we are approved. And that is all for today's lightning round stories. I think that most of us uh, have have heard or come across the 
freedom convoy that was happening in Canada. And so it seems like this week it's finally come to an end. And it's just crazy to see uh, how that happened over the course of the past month. I remember uh, seeing from the first few days, there was some videos that came out and, you know, there was an interview with one of the truckers and he was saying, you know, I have supplies for two weeks. And I was like mm -hmm. thinking, dang, two weeks? This guy's willing to stay in his truck for two weeks. But, you know, one week passed, two weeks passed, three weeks passed, you know, almost a full month passed. Uh, and I know Alex and Vadim talked about the story a little bit last week, and, and it was mentioned when uh, the whole thing just started. But it's it seems to have come to an end uh, from from what I was able to find. It's very hard to see any kind of pictures or, or find, you know, real time information on this thing. I know they cleared the bridge that uh, connects with Michigan, and uh, supposedly the truckers moved out of uh, neighborhoods, uh, residential neighborhoods. How much of them are left in the actual downtown area? I'm not exactly sure, but it seems like majority of the truckers have left. Um, I'm guessing this is due to the Emergencies Act that was uh, put in place last week. Seem to have quite a big effect, you know, to some 200 accounts, bank accounts were frozen and assets were seized uh, of certain truckers who were in the area. And so, you know, from the perspective of the truckers, it's 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 crazy how long they were there. But, you know, when when they got cracked down on like that, where, you know, it was their finances and, and I know there's truckers there with kids with them. And so that was kind of a. Uh, a huge argument too with you know they were saying they were going to start taking kids away and things like that so you know when it comes to that you, then i guess a lot of the truckers really started thinking whether you know it's it's worth staying and and i know some over a hundred people were arrested i know the main organizers and leaders were arrested um, lots of trucks were towed and vehicles i think over three thousand tickets were handed out uh, so it's just crazy to see just when they were given that kind of emergency power. Uh, it was insane, uh, you know, how, how they were able to just crack down. And, 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 you know, like like you said earlier, the fact that there's not a ton of pictures or coverage of it um, or not. I've heard that some, I guess, liberty organizations were trying to, to get to, you know, um, raise concern about, the way these truckers were treated as they were arrested and stuff like that. But besides that, there's not a lot of attention on them because I, I think they've achieved their message, if you will, right? Initially, there was like, you know, people sort of were dismissing it in the media world and there wasn't a lot of like media coverage. But then as it went into week two and onwards, uh, it became like impossible to ignore. And so the cameras were there, the reporters were sent there. Everybody was like, all right, you know, flying to Canada to cover the story. It's the major thing right now. And now it just seems like, yeah, it, it kind of fell out of a spotlight except on the local stations. But like you mentioned the fact of, um, or you mentioned the, the idea of how much emergency powers can do. And I struggled with that even last time. Like, where do you find the balance between a protest and a disrupting protest, right? Like, where do you, where, how far do you go to protest... And again, they might say, well, we have a good reason for it because how far does the government get to go, you know, before our lives are like yeah. being squeezed out? So there's just this balance that yeah. I, I, and, I don't know where yeah. to find the good line. 
Yeah, so I kind of uh, was reading up on that, you know. So we saw how how the so-called protests were happening the last couple of years, and and it's very hard to call them protests, you know. Those were mm-hmm. full-on riots and and right. buildings, businesses destroyed, uh, and you know it seems like even for that there was not as much repercussion. You know, no one ever at any point you know tried to introduce any kind of emergencies act for that or or try to do anything for that. And and the way even police responded, you know, they were there in their gear and, and they were just holding the line. They weren't, they weren't really, uh, oftentimes, you could see that they were holding back because, you know, if they do step forward, you know, there's going to be repercussions. There's going to be, I don't know what coming their way, Molotov cocktails and, and mm-hmm. who knows what. But, you know, this is that... Freedom convoy. Although you know they they you, you can't say that they didn't cause a disruption. You know they were honking their horns and they're like taking over the kind of the downtown of of, of the capital. Uh, but that was truly a, a peaceful protest. You know there was nothing destroyed. There was nothing. Uh, you know the police weren't getting attacked. Mm-hmm. There was no deaths. There was nothing like that. And and even seeing how the police were reacted, how how there was you know police that would harass those. You know, because they wouldn't, they knew that they weren't going to get any repercussion for that, not only because of the Emergencies Act, but because these were truly peaceful protesters and they weren't going to, mm-hmm. you know, retaliate in the same way that maybe the uh, so called protesters of the last few years that we've seen would have. Uh, and so, you know, I've also heard that a lot of people are saying, well, you know, how how the the right side and conservatives how they have like a double standard you know at one point they're saying oh back but the blue and now they're saying mm-hmm. uh you know the police are in the wrong but you know it's not that uh you know we're saying back the blue and then police are wrong it's just uh we see how the different forms are taking place you know those press protesters they're not putting in danger the livelihood of of those police officers they're not attacking them so you know, there's just a, a fine line to to draw between, you know, what a protest is in the first place and what exactly they're standing and, and representing and how the different sides are getting treated. So I guess, yeah, the big question is at which point the cause is greater than the losses inflicted by the protest or the temporary the, you know, discomfort yeah. for the so, community. Yeah, that's that's kind of what it is, is, you know, there was no loss with this freedom convoy. There, there really wasn't. There was no destruction. I mean, I guess they did cause uh, like the business in downtown. Yeah, the business is not only in downtown, but they blocked the the bridge over to to Michigan, which I I read thing where you know twenty five percent of the trucking between U.S. and and Canada happens right there. So, and as a result, there wasn't really much changes in COVID restrictions. And like we mentioned, the lightning round as as. Um, now CDC is dropping its guidelines, right? Now we're going to see the loosening of of all these mask mandates and, and vaccine push and all of that. Sadly, it wasn't as a response to... Uh, actually, but then you kind of wonder, right? I bet, number one, it was in response to, to the truckers' you know, freedom convoy, uh, directly, obviously. But is it because there's a mounting pressure to be done with all this garbage? Probably. Yeah, that's actually one thing I was discussing with one of my friends. You know, how fast everything is happening. You know, things are starting to get dropped. Uh, it makes me feel suspicious. You know, <laughs> what, what's kind of uh, 
the game plan for them? You know, why exactly are they doing that? It seemed like they were pushing so hard. And now the whole, like, story that we're hearing is completely the opposite of what they've kind of been preaching the last two years. Mm-hmm. So it raised my eyebrow. Yep. Uh, that's for sure. I don't know if they're preparing for midterms. I don't know if they're they have some kind of a game plan behind it or if it's just the rising pressures. But so I'm not exactly sure how much uh, the freedom convoy actually did in terms of ending any kind of mandates or 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 getting their message across uh, to actually make a change. It seems like a lot of what they were doing and, and did was just kind of dismissed by their government, as we saw with the Emergencies Act. They just wanted them out. Uh, although I believe it was in the first weeks, you know, their prime minister, Trudeau, was saying, like, oh, we hear your message, just go home. And, and just the way he was saying, you know, it sounded like, okay, like, cool, let's get out of here. Like, he didn't actually want to do anything about it. And the way they ended it just for, forcefully like that, without coming to a resolution, uh, it's hard to see what was, was truly done. But one thing we do know is, you know, they definitely inspired a lot of people around the world. And, and now we're seeing how... Uh, there's a convoy forming here That's in the right. U.S. And, and they're heading towards Washington, D.C. I think they're at New Mexico already. Uh, again, it's it, it's very hard to kind of find information on that in terms of, you know, how much trucks there are. Uh, I know they have almost a million dollars in donations already. So, I mean, people are definitely supporting it and, and seeing what they're standing for. Do you think uh, it's going to be more lenient here than it is in Canada? Because Canada does tend to be a little more dictatorial i think it it probably will be a little more lenient here uh just because i think they will face a much bigger backlash if they do something forcefully uh, but what we're seeing right now is uh you know they're they're supposedly trucking for you know against the mandates and everything but we're seeing a lot of these things already coming to an right. end and, and yeah kind of concluding so uh, i guess from here we just watch and and, and see what happens well, that's all for the stories for this week. We are so glad you've joined us for another episode of Life Ring. Please consider following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. Uh, just type in Life Ring Podcast. Also consider sharing it with a friend or a family member that would benefit from a weekly overview of the current events from a conservative and Christian perspective. And as always, we would like to remind you that there is no better news on any given day than the good news of Jesus Christ. He died for the sins of the world so that everyone who comes to him would be saved. We encourage you to seek him if you haven't already. Thank you for listening to Life Ring, and we'll see you next week.